tonight, um, just a funny story about how I got the message for tonight. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to share it with you or not, but I am because it's just funny, and it's me. But I got my message tonight actually sitting and watching a TV show, and the TV show is The Biggest Loser. Who has seen The Biggest Loser? Okay, all right. Well, it's basically a weight loss show, um, but it just really is a great show and encourages people. Um, you get to see their transformations as they go throughout the process. But I remember there was one day I was sitting there with Camden, and he actually sat next to me, and he wanted to watch it with me. And he's like, Mommy, what are they doing? And I had to explain to him what they are doing. Um, and I told him, I said, Camden, tell him, you can do it. And so he sat there, little two-year-old boy, sitting there saying, you can do it. He started telling them through the TV, and he started yelling it. So the title of my message tonight is... You can do it. All right. I know it's cheesy, but it's all right. Um, and this next part, I really didn't mean for that to happen. Um, so it's called You Can Do It. And we're talking about exercising your faith. I promised it had nothing to do with The Biggest Loser, but it just happened to go along with it. So we're going to go with it. Um, so let's go in our Bibles to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1. So tonight we're talking about exercising your faith. And I might refer it back to Biggest Loser. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and I may share some personal stories with you because um, Pastor Mark and I both have had some things that we've had to walk through by faith. All right. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Is it on the screen? Oh, wow. This is different. It's on the screen. Okay. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. But the, but the evidence, oh, sorry, hope for it, the evidence of things not seen. So now faith is. This is where it's telling us this is what faith is. Now, I referred back to um, whenever I took School of Life, which is now our Kingdom Institute um, Bible school that we, hear, or we offer here um, in Valdosta and in St. Augustine, but I took it whenever it was School of Life, and I referred back to my notes, and I thought this was really awesome. It took this scripture, it really broke it down, it took the words, um, and it just really just brought clarity to the scripture for me. So we're going to look at a, a few of the words in this actual verse, and we're going to look at the word faith and what the word faith actually means. Faith means a firm persuasion, a conviction based on what you have heard, what you believe. Um, the next word that I want to look at is substance, because it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So substance here means to stand under or support, to give support under pressure, to prevent from caving in. And the next word that I want to go to is hope. Hope is to anticipate with pleasure a favorable, confident expectation. And the word evidence here means proof. Um, so another way that we can look at this scripture, just looking at the different definitions that we just looked at and putting it into um, a full-on sentence, it says, now our beliefs are giving substance to, so we saw substance meant to support, so giving substance to what we expect, so it's supporting what we expect. What we, would, what we believe is our proof that we have what we cannot see physically. So um, we see that faith is a firm persuasion. It's not seeing things that we see in the natural. It's seeing beyond that. It's seeing into the supernatural. There are so many situations that come into your life that you're going to have to walk in faith. 
And you may not see it for yourself, but you need to believe it and you need to grab hold of it. Um, so tonight we're going to kind of break down faith and how to actually operate in faith and exercise our faith. Um, before we get into how to operate, I want to talk about the two different kinds of faith because there are two different kinds of faith. Um, the first kind of faith is sense knowledge faith or the natural human faith. This is not the faith that we want to operate by. But I will break this down for you. Um, let's go to John 20. Um, we'll go to John 20, verses 24 through 29. All right, so verse 24 says, Now Thomas, called the twin, was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into into his side I will not believe and after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them Jesus came the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace to you then he said to Thomas reach your fingers here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side do not be unbelieving but believing and Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Thomas here did not believe that Jesus had returned. He had to see in the natural. He had to be moved by his physical senses to be able to see Jesus in the natural, to actually believe that he had returned. So natural faith will not stand. We can't go. We can't be led and moved by our natural senses because if we do, then Things that we're believing God for, we're never going to see those things come to pass if we're just going by what we see in the natural. Let's go to Romans 8. And I might fly through these notes, so y'all might go at home early tonight. We'll see. This is my first time ministering to adults, by the way. So everyone keeps asking me, are you nervous? Well, what do you think? But praise God, it's not me. It's him through me, so... I may be nervous, but I can put that down. All right, so Romans 8, verses 6 through 8. Let me find it for myself. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So when we're being moved by the flesh, we can't please God. We don't want to be moved by our physical senses. It's just not a position that we want to find ourselves into. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 it says, but the natural man does not receive the thing of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
when we operate out of the flesh, we are limiting ourselves to God. When we're just, when we expect to rely on our physical flesh, we're, we're limiting God, and we can't limit God who is limitless. He can do anything that we ask of him according to his word. Um, but when we rely on our flesh, then we're limiting ourselves to God. We need to put ourselves in a position where we can understand and receive all the blessings God has promised us. Because he's promised us, we see in his word every day that he's promised us healing, he's promised us joy, he's promised us peace. But if we go by our natural senses and by what our circumstances and situations may be, then we're never going to be able to receive the blessings from God and the promises that he's promised us. So, let me flip my page. Oh, when we hook our mouth up with our senses, the product will result in unbelief. So when we're being moved by what we're seeing, then we're never going to be able to actually believe God at his word and believe and be able to walk in that faith according to what he's promised us. So we don't ever want to find ourselves, this is the faith that we don't want to find ourselves operating in. Because if we find ourselves operating in this, then we're never going to see what we're believing God for come to pass. So let's talk about the second kind of faith. The second kind of faith is faith that believes the Bible regardless of physical circumstances. This is the kind of faith that we want to find ourselves operating in daily. We don't want to ever find ourselves going back and reverting to the old ways. We want to look at his word, and we want to live according to the word, and we want to believe him at his word. So let's go to Romans 10, verse 17. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we saw previously in the, the first kind of faith that it's led by our physical senses. But here we see that our faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. So when we're in the word of God, when we're hearing his word, then we know what we can believe and what we can trust God with. But if we're not ever in his word, then we're never going to know. Let's go to Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we need to be renewing our mind in the word of God, so that way we can know what his will for our lives is. If we don't get in here, we won't know what he wants for us. He, he, we won't ever know that he wants us to live in peace and joy and patience and, and complete wholeness and complete healing if we don't ever get in here and renew our mind on that. Um, so let's go to first, first Thessalonians 2.13. First Thessalonians 2.13.
For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in the truth and the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So the word has been put into us so that it can operate and be worked and be it can come to pass. We don't ever want to find you know, ourselves again just being led by our senses. I keep on saying that because we cannot be led by our physical senses, period. If you do that, then you're not going to see what you're believing and trusting God for to come to pass. But when you're in his word, you can speak the word to whatever you're believing God for, whether it be healing. You can be speaking the word to your body. You can be speaking the word to your, your child's body. Or, you know, if you're believing for peace, you can be speaking the word. He's given us plenty of word and plenty of scripture to be able to speak that out. Um, we develop this faith by developing a relationship with God. It's as simple as that. And how do we develop a relationship with God? By being in his word, by being in his presence, by praying um, let's go to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So we need to be meditating on his word day and night. The more that we're meditating on it, the more confident, the more boldness we have in his word. That's when things start to come up and try to come against you, you can say to it no and speak the word to that situation. But if you don't ever put yourself in a position to have the word in you, then you're not going to be put in a situation. You're not going to put yourself in a position to be able to speak the word to those circumstances. Let's go to Romans 4, and this is one of my favorite um, faith stories about Abraham. This is just a great story and a great example of how we should operate in our faith. Um, you know, Abraham, well, let's just go there, Romans 4. And we'll read verses 17 through 22. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we see there Abraham being older and Sarah's womb, you know, being spoken that it was dead. In the natural, if they would have been led by their natural faith, by the senses and by what was going on in their situation, they would have never conceived a child. But they had to believe and trust God. And we see here that Abraham's faith was strengthened. He found himself in a position to where his week was not wavering. His week did not get, you know, less. His his faith got strengthened. He was more strengthened in his faith to be able to trust God and believe him that they would be able to conceive a child. And did they conceive a child? Yes, they did. That's why we know Abraham as the father of many nations. Faith can grow by feeding on the word and 
of God and acting on the word of God. So we see here that Abraham, his faith grew. But how did that happen? Because he acted on the, the word of God. He acted on what God had told him. He took that word and he ran with it. He didn't stop and say, this is not possible. This is not happening. He took that word and he said, this is going to happen. And then what did he do? He started thanking the Lord. He started praising him for what was to come. So he operated as if he was the father of many nations. Um, so now that we've looked at the two different kinds of faiths, we want to make sure that we do operate in the right kind of faith. Um, let's look at how faith actually operates. So let's go back to Romans ten seventeen. And we read this earlier, but we can read it again. Um, Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we see by hearing the word of God and meditating on that, that faith is going to come. Let's go to Mark 11. I feel like I have a lot of scriptures tonight. But the word is good. Let's go to Mark 11, verse 12. Um, We're going to go 12 through 14 here. It says, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Let's go down to verse um, 22. So skip on down to verse 22. Um, actually, can we go up to verse 20? Is that going to mess you up? Sorry. I am that person that makes you go back up. All right, so we see Jesus spoke to the tree, and what happened? Okay, we'll see here. Verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Do you think Jesus was surprised? No. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. A lot of people here say have the God kind of faith. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. We see, you know, a word here, believe. Um, This is a very important word here in this scripture because we have to believe if we go into something and we start saying that we're believing God but we're wavering in that then we're going to find ourselves in a position where we're not receiving what we're believing God for so we want to make sure that we believe God at his word and we're gonna um I looked up a definition of the word believe and I'll go ahead and read that um actually I won't because it's not on here well it basically said um what did it say? I don't know. I can't remember. It means to truly believe what you have received, to truly believe what is coming. Um, I can't remember what the definition is. Anyways, so you want to make sure that you believe what you're believing. You actually, what is the word? That's going to drive me crazy. Okay, somebody Google um, 
Okay. Yes, because it was a really good definition. I really liked it. Um, so let's go ahead and write down um, how faith operates. Faith operates. Um, the first thing that you need to do is to believe in your heart. So again, if you're wavering, if you're in doubt and unbelief, then you're not going to receive what you're believing God for. The second thing you need to do is confess with your mouth. This is an action. This is not something that you can just sit there and do nothing. No, you need to speak out of your mouth. Did you get it? Can I see it? Okay, to have, okay, the word believe, to have confidence in the truth, the existence or the reliability of something, although without absolute proof that one is right in doing so. So I guess you can say that you're believing it without a doubt, even though you don't actually see it, you believe it, um, which is the kind of faith that we need to have. We don't need to have the kind of faith that we only get moved by our circumstances and, you know, if you're believing and trusting God for your healing, we don't wait for our bodies to line up. We, we do what the word says. We believe in our heart that we are healed. Then we confess it with our mouth. And then the third thing that we need to do is believe you receive it now. This part is crucial because if you go in believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, and then you don't believe that you received it, then what you just did was you know, pointless. You're not really believing God and trusting him that he's actually going to come through for you. So you want to find yourself in a position that you are believing that you received it now. So if you're believing for your healing, you're going to believe and trust God. Thank you, Lord, that I've received it. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. So you may be walking around still with symptoms. Your nose might be running. You might have a cough, whatever, but you still speak. No, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. You know, if it's your finances, your bank account might be in the negative, but you don't get moved by your circumstances. You don't get moved by what's on that computer screen or on your phone. You are moved by what God's word says um, and what you're believing God for. So you have to truly, without a doubt, believe that you have received it. And that's when you're going to see your faith come to pass. Um, let's go to Mark chapter 5. Um, Mark chapter 5, and we're going to go to verses 25 through 34. And this is um, the story about the woman with the issue of blood. And this is a great example of somebody believing for their faith. Um, well, you know, let's read it. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. You think about that. Somebody who had an issue for 12 years, that's somebody who has been dealing with something for a very long time and having to, you know, now believe that she can actually be healed. We'll see here. Um, and had suffered many things from many physicians. So we see here that she has had issues for the past 12 years. She's went to physicians. She's went to doctors. And she's seen that she has an issue. There was no doctor that could help her and clear out this situation. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt it in her body that she was healed 
of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So we see here somebody who maybe had, you know, had been through this, had had this issue for 12 years, had this issue going to doctors and not getting any help from them. Um, and then just to top it off is having to fight through a crowd just to get to Jesus. She received that word that if she just touched the hem of his garment, then she would be healed. So she's having to fight through a crowd of people. I think of like a football team and, you know, they're throwing the football and, you know, all the people run towards the person who ever has the ball and they're having to fight through it to get to the other side. Well, this is her. She's having to fight just to get to Jesus, just to receive it. But did she receive it? Yes, because she operated and she flowed in faith the way that you should operate in it. Um, the last thing that I'm going to talk about tonight, and this is really quick. Sorry, you guys still get to go home early tonight. Um, the only person that can keep your faith from, release, from releasing is you. So we can be believing God for something, but you yourself can hinder it and keep yourself from receiving what you're believing God for. And we're going to look at three different ways that you can not receive your, what you're believing for. Um, let's go to Mark 11, um, verses 25 through 26. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So this is the first thing that can hinder your ability to receive what you're believing God for is unforgiveness. We have actually seen people who were believing and we were hooking up and getting an agreement with them um, not receive what they were believing God for because of unforgiveness. So whether it be, you know, a dispute with your spouse or whatever, it could be something from 10 or 20 years ago from your childhood that you need to deal with, and that can be hindering it. So if you ever find yourself in a position that you're believing and you're trusting God, um, you need to check your heart and make sure that you're not in any unforgiveness um, and then not doing any of the other things. But this is most common that people don't really realize that maybe there is some unforgiveness that we need to dig up and deal with. Um, so you need to be led and, you know, Pray about how you need to handle that situation. Um, but it can be life or death, that situation. And you don't want to find yourself missing out on what God has for you, um, you know, with healing or whatever. Let's go to James 1, verses 5 through 8. And we're going to look at the other two ways that um, you can hinder yourself from receiving your what you're believing God for. So James 1, 5 through 8. Um, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So the other two ways that you can miss out on, on receiving what you're believing God for is being double-minded and being in doubt and unbelief. So again, we talked about, you know, the two different kinds of faith and we need to believe and trust God at his word. We talked about how you can operate in your faith. What are the three things that we do? You have to believe in your heart. You can't doubt. You cannot be in unbelief about that. Because if you are, again, you're not going to receive what you're believing God for. Um, let me see if there's anything else that I missed. I'll just share with you guys um, a story, or not a story, but a situation that Pastor Mark and I actually went through um, together that we had to believe and we had to trust God, and there was no room for doubt and unbelief. There was no room for anything to hinder us and keep us from being able to receive what we were believing God for, um, and it's with our son Camden. Um, you know, he was born three months early. He was three months premature, and... You know, going into the situation, going into the pregnancy, we had previously um, had a child, and she did not make it. It was a few years prior to Camden, um, and that was just a whole other situation. I don't have time to go into that tonight, um, but talking about our situation with Camden, um, the one thing that I do remember with our daughter Kylie is saying that this will never happen again, period. The enemy is the one who came and stole our child from us, and he will not win again, period. So going into our pregnancy with Camden, um, you know, just briefly to kind of fill you in with Kylie, we I was diagnosed with preeclampsia, um, which is where your blood pressure goes super high and, you know, all that mess. Um, and basically she didn't make it. She actually um, passed away before I actually delivered. Um, so going into the pregnancy with Camden, we – my husband and I, we hooked up and we got an agreement that this, again, will never happen. We will not go into this pregnancy um, wavering and in doubt that I would, you know, receive or have preeclampsia or whatever the situation is, that we would have a healthy and whole child. So um, Camden, we were at 28 weeks and my blood pressure started to rise. It started to go up. So immediately your flesh is talking and you're wondering what's going on because you're believing and trusting God. Um, so we had to get into the word. We had to shut some things out. We had to shut some people out. Let me tell you, sometimes you need to shut some people out and some things. You need to turn off your phone, turn off Facebook, get into the word, have people around you who are going to encourage you and tell you that you can do it, not that you cannot do it um, or that they don't know what's going to happen. Because um, doctors can talk. Family members can talk. They can. And we experienced that in our first situation. Um, and if we could go back and change it, then we would. We would have cut some people off. Um, but we did not. So the second time around with Camden, you know, it was 28 weeks, and my blood pressure started to rise up. And we had a choice right then. Are we going to believe God and trust him at his word? Or are we going to waver and be in doubt and unbelief? And so immediately we started speaking to the blood pressure. So blood pressure went down um, without medication, which is a miracle because the first time that did not happen. My blood, my blood pressure did not go down at all. Um, but it went down, it was normal, and I was fine. And so 
um, they wanted to keep me in the hospital for a few days. They were actually talking about keeping me in the hospital until he was born, um, just because of our previous situation. Um, so we had to get in prayer, and we had to be led of how we were going to handle this. Are we going to stay in the hospital? Are we going to go home? You know, what should we do? So we had to seek the Lord in that situation. Um, we felt at peace that we should go ahead and just stay in the hospital for a few days, not that we weren't believing and trusting God, um, because we knew my blood pressure was fine. It was more, um, you know, if Camden does need to be born early, do we need to be here? You know, whatever. So we had to be led. And we felt at peace that we needed to go ahead and stay in the hospital. So we did. Um, they transferred me to Shands in Jacksonville. And um, the doctors were pretty much ready to deliver me right then. I mean, just because of our previous situation, they wanted to just go ahead and deliver me. But, you know, we were just uh, trying to wait as long as we could. They had given me some shots to help his lungs develop and all that. So we wanted to give that some time to, you know, work or do whatever it was supposed to do. So it was uh, Friday night, I think, that they actually transferred me to Jacksonville. And it was that Sunday night that we actually had Camden. So two days later, we actually gave birth to our first child. Well, not our first child, but to Camden. Um, and it was not because of my blood pressure. Praise God. So we believe God that my blood pressure would stay low and it would stay down, that I would not have preeclampsia, and I did not. It was actually more um, because of Camden, because some stuff wasn't lining up. They had a scaling system. If you didn't score so many points, then, you know, they were concerned. So they wanted to go ahead and deliver him. Um, so we felt at peace that we could go ahead and deliver him and that he was going to be fine. Against all odds, you know, at 28 weeks, it's not very common. Well, I mean, I guess it's more common today, but before, you know, it, it wasn't common that you would survive it. Um, and even today, coming out at 28 weeks, it's common for you to have many, um, you know, issues, problems going through life and all that. Um, but praise God, Camden was born that Sunday night. Um, he came out crying, which is not normal for a 28-weeker. They're not supposed to have their lungs operating and functioning like that. So he came out crying, and, um, you know, he was in the hospital for three months. But it was awesome because we found ourselves in a position to where we believed and trusted God at his word. We prayed, we believed, we confessed. And then we, we just believed him at that. And we didn't find ourselves going back and thinking, you know, is Camden going to be okay? Or, you know, is he going to have any side effects from this or any of that? No, we were at peace. I was just sharing with Alyssa um, the other day that we actually found ourselves more there at peace with Camden, but able to pray and intercede for other babies that were in the NICU because there were so many other babies in there that you saw their charts and their heart rates and their lungs were not operating. And Camden was just... I mean, he just needed to grow and learn how to eat and get a little meat on his bones, which he still doesn't have. But, you know, that's all that we were really waiting for was for him to actually be at an age to where he was really supposed to be home. So that was a blessing. But that was, you know, an opportunity for us to be able to see, you know, God's faithfulness in that situation. Because really, he should not be here. He should not be in the classroom right now up and walking around and, you know, being the crazy kid he is today um but because of god and because of his word and because we stood on his word we did not waver we did not come off of what he had told us that's why he's here and he's doing the things that he's doing and i believe that there's a purpose in him and you know there's so many great things that come because of this so and you know just another testimony of that 
I've been able to minister to tons of people because of this. Um, you know, what the enemy meant for bad, the Lord's going to make it for good. And I've been able to talk to so I really, honestly, I had never really heard of premature children um, until I had one. And then it seemed like everybody was having children premature. But um, I've had several friends or acquaintances that have actually had premature babies, and I've been able, been able to minister to them and, you know, share our story and let them know that it's going to be okay. You just need to trust and believe God at his word. So that's the word that I have for you tonight. I pray that you leave encouraged. Um, thank you for bearing with me for my first time ministering to y'all. Um, it's been good. So let's pray, and then um, we'll do our offering. Father God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we can believe and we can trust in you and your word, that we do not have to go into situations and look at what the situation is in the scene, what our flesh is seeing, what our natural senses are seeing, but we can trust your word and we can call you at your word and believe that it's going to come to pass in our favor. We thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, let's go ahead and take up our tithe and offering. My husband wanted me to remind you that this Sunday is, um, if you need an offering envelope, raise your hand. This is my first time doing this too. So if you need an offering envelope, raise your hand. Our ushers will be glad to serve it to you. Is that what he says? Something like that. All right. So Sunday, I wanted to remind you that Sunday is our vision giving. So don't forget that. Also, um, we are going to have Pastor Joshua Clay. Is that what he's going by, Joshua Clay? Pastor Joshua Clay will be here this Sunday. Um, so we wanted to take up an offering for him. So if you feel led to give to him and to sow into his life, then go ahead and mark that on the envelope. Um, we'll also take it up on Sunday. So if you didn't come prepared tonight, just bring it with you Sunday. Um, but we want to take time to invest into him. He's going to come. He's excited. He's got a word for you. Um, and he's going to be investing into you. So we want to take a time to invest into them as well. Um, so let's go ahead and pray over our tithes and offerings. And then I have a few more announcements for you. Father, we just thank you for